to Men in Charge. I'm Tony Flynn. And I'm Kevin Decker. Welcome to episode 23 of our self-congratulatory, kind of an anniversary episode, season 10. We never thought we'd get to season 10, but here we are. And in what sense is it an anniversary episode? Well, because 10, 10th anniversary, sometimes the word 10 is attached to the word anniversary. So I've never heard a better things. line of reasoning that made less sense. Yeah. Today, we have a special 29-minute radio play for you entitled Men in Charge Below the Music. Now, everybody knows Below the Music. It's a cable staple. The attempt is to show how Hootie and the Blowfish became such a great contribution to musical culture. It's also a great opportunity to say cable staple. That's right. But they called us up and they said we would actually like to do a special on Men in Charge. And, of course, we said, well, what's the pay? Uh, (laughs) And uh, we were disappointed about that bit. but um, Because it was the usual answer. Yeah, none. So, And plus they find us. They find us and they ask that we have dry scones and weak tea available every day for their production crews. So Tony, of course, had some of those left over from the Just a Theory show from many years ago. It's true. And you'll never get the taste of those scones out of your mouth as you listen. Right. So we were not really present mentally or physically, so we don't really know what you will be hearing in this episode, but we did want to air it. And we know that there was no rationale for it. Right. It's not a show about music, for example. But it's in a documentary style, which means there's a lot of surveillance, people caught doing embarrassing things. That's right. We always were in rooms where people had microphones going, which made me very uncomfortable. But we picked up a lot of other people's conversations to use against them. And many of them were our writers and our actors and actresses. And they're in trouble, frankly. (laughs) They're in big trouble. They're in big trouble. So they can quit whining about never being paid. (laughs) I'm Tony Flynn. Welcome to Men in Charge. And I'm Kevin Decker. Today's episode is entitled, Why Mattel's Barbie's Ken is Based on Us. And yes, welcome to Man in Charge. Really, Kevin? What, I mess up the title? Man in Charge? Again? I'm sorry, but, but I told you, I have early onset dulcimers. I'm still not sure that's a thing. Just stick to my notes. I've uh, never told you this before, Tony, and uh, this is probably a bad time to break that habit, but I just cannot read your handwriting. Anyway, we have to start over again. Cut! Listener, does that sound like a frustrated 13th retake of some opening radio banter? No, it's just Monday tea time and the typical creative process here at radio stations in Lower Heights. Obviously, we can't tell you the name of the public radio station for legal reasons, but we can tell you the name of the show. It's Men in Charge. Welcome to Below the Music, Men in Charge edition. Men in Charge, the first radio show in space. But right now, you can all finally get busy doing some laundry my radio show, which is called Disgruntled Belgian Talk Radio. You know, it's not nice to betray your own home planet. Let's remind the viewers that we don't believe in virus protection. And that's all right, Kevin. Anacondas! Anacondas! Anacondas for rent or lease! And 
mentioning that makes me miss my Archie. He says that he enjoys his new padded chains. <laughs> I'm Dr. Eleanor Galworthy, Associate Professor of Biology and Neuroscience, formerly and ruefully of the show, Ask Aunt Louise. Thank God I was yanked as the host of that insipid Cullen advice program. But then I ended up here hosting Below the Music. What gives? Oh, well, on tonight's Below the Music documentary special, we're going to pretend that this comedy radio sketch show is a band. The secrets below rock and pop bands are our normal bread and butter here on Below the Music. But somebody, his name may be Gerald, screwed up this week. Didn't he slash she, Gerald? Men in Charge, this half-hour program has aired in all its Sunday-at-dinnertime quality since 2014. Let's take another listen-in to the Arturo P. Klondike Memorial Studio Room, where Tony and Kevin are doing some all-important synthesizing work. They're programming written or recorded sketches to go into specific, uniquely named episodes. More than 200 episodes so far, in fact. It's a surprisingly scientific process. Hey, hey! That's no fair. That knocks my last good one off the target. Here's hoping that mine goes in and yours doesn't. Oh. We're almost done here. Just one more sketch. Oh, oops. I think I can fix that hole in the wall. You meant to say scratch, not sketch. And your Freudian slip became reality. Hand them over. Throwing darts is fun, especially using our commemorative Lost Season 4 Collector's Dart Collection in white and gold. But shouldn't we get back to programming? Yes, of course. We can start another round when we're done. Here's your lab coat. Oh, what's this coffee stain? There are cheese cubes in the pockets. Well, this is your coat, Tony. Okay, enough with the lab coat buffoonery. Unpause the computer. I'm going to create an algorithm for how to program the next episode. What's the title? Let's call it Top 5 Buffooneries in Lab Coats. Absolutely. I can think of millions of ideas for better on that topic. We only need five if you think about it. Numbers don't add up on men in charge, Kevin. But remember when we stalled out trying to provide examples for the episode title, A Small Town Steven Seagal? I'm thinking more like the train wreck that occurred when you came to the studio directly after getting your wisdom teeth out and we bantered the episode, Bad Day at the Cat Wash. Heavy anesthesia withdrawal will do that to you. What, uh, what programming language are you using there, Tony? I had to stop updating our studio computer's operating system at DOS 8.0. The hardware couldn't take anymore. And return. Processing. Processing. Still processing. Let's skip ahead, shall we, listener? There is such a thing as too much local color. Here we go. It's almost out of ink, but I can just make out Squid Game, your script writers. Tony, you didn't program an algorithm for programming the episode. You programmed a program for telling us how to program the next program. And so I have. It's a fair cup. Well, uh, we'll need a bunch of weapons and torture instruments and stuff. Not a problem. 
Do you want to use the giant mouse trap or the library bouncer's truncheon? You choose. Thanks. Scott's very protective of the tip of his nose. He'll enjoy the tender mercies of the giant mouse trap. Speaking of script writers, how do the writers of this venerable comedy franchise from Lower Heights get their ideas? And where did Tony and Kevin buy those fun lab coats? These and other questions will be proposed and potentially forgotten right after this message. Listener, how many times has this happened to you? You sit down at your desk, grab your pen and pad of paper, and get ready to compose the first of several drafts of an eventual email. Then, just like that, your pencil's lead is broken. Don't foam at the mouth with impotent rage, listener. Replace that pathetic little inanimate carbon stick with a Vatican City gel pen. It's the last gel pen you'll need now or in any future life. Hello, I'm the famous audiobook narrator R. Burton, and I'm here to sing angelic praises in favor of the Vatican City gel pen. They not only come in all the colors of the rainbow, but they've got so many applications. Writing, doodling, scribbling, highlighting, drawing, sketching, marginal annotating, visual creation, and planar transport. Tell them why else they ought to buy a Vatican City gel pen, quirky nanny. Oh, holy ink! It's the Vatican City gel pen. Does it write even on a camping trip? Yes. Yes. Does it write upside down? Yes. Yes. Does it write underwater? Yes. Yes. Can it strip the last remaining dregs of electricity from used car batteries? Uh, no. Uh, no. Back to writing. Can it write from within a whale? Uh, yes. Three out of five ushers in the College of Cardinals recommend the Vatican City gel pen. Nine out of ten doctors recommend those three ushers. It's the Pope Leo X of gel pens. Back to you, R. Burton. <clears throat> well, listener, the message should be clear. The skies have opened. Divine light has pierced the darkness of your endless nightmares of broken pencil tips. The chorus has sung out and done so unanimously in favor of Vatican City gel pens. It's the absolution to all of your writing problems. Hello. Welcome back to Below the Music Men in Charge Edition, a title with uncertainly italicized words and undoubtedly misused double quotations. I'm Dr. Eleanor Galworthy, and we're about to take a deep dive into that most unique of all imaginations, the comedic imagination. We'll see how a comic level of intelligence, together with laughable amounts of writing and editing, turn the dross of humor into gold. Let's listen in on the writer's bullpen for Men in Charge, where show writers Ann Porter and Scott Herrick are staring down a half sandwich in the room's mini fridge.
it's the same sandwich. Same type of sandwich. You cleaned out the communal fridge last Friday, right? Yeah, but it's the exact same sandwich from before Friday. I remember the distinctive pink plastic wrap and the bite taken out of that corner right there. Are you, are you saying that it's spooky? No, I'm just saying that somebody ought to eat the sandwich so it doesn't keep returning to the fridge of its own accord. Well, if you're offering, I'll go ahead and eat it. Uh, check its sell-by date. And even if it hasn't reached the sell-by, if the ingredients say mayonnaise, you may not want to roll those dice. Also, if the label says it's from an airport grab-and-go. Okay! This gives me a great idea for a law offices of Richard J. Garlic sketch. Listener, have you nabbed and eaten someone else's half sandwich from your work fridge only to find it stale and you with your second case of botulism this week? If so, call the law offices of blah, 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 blah. Hey, wait. Kevin, were you listening to us? I wasn't uh, intentionally listening. I was accidentally overhearing. There's a difference. Where were you hiding? What makes you think I was hiding? Why would I hide? Well, it sounded like you came through the door, but hey, there's this big space cleared out behind the empty vending machine. Were you spying on our writer's bullpen spitball session? I was just checking the vending machine to see if it was unplugged. I figured that might be why it's been empty for so long. Scott, I am forming a theory that Kevin steals our ideas and writes them up before we can. Uh, that's a pretty harsh accusation, Anne. It makes it seem like Kevin is just a big plagiarizer with a comedic tin ear and no writing talent of his own. Honestly, I didn't hear anything. What about the phantom sandwich and the spoiled mayonnaise sketch? I didn't hear anything good. Now, my path. I have to write down a completely different and non-overlapping at all idea I just had before I lose it. The imaginative discovery being a tenuous proposition at best. Not your idea at all. Goodbye. Spider-Man stole that guy's pizza. That's exactly what he just did to us. But hey, that gives me a good idea for a new character. How about a superhero who's got even more of an inferiority complex than Peter Parker? He can't have any real powers, of course. No, no, no. That's part of the joke. He thinks he can fly, but it's really just a helicopter painted like the sky that he hangs off of with a rope and harness. Can it be a, a pinchy harness that, that can lead to a lot of male genitalia jokes? That's a plus. We'll call him Mile High Man. That's funny. Set it in Denver, but uh, gotta eat before typing it out. Feeling a bit peaked. Open the fridge. Oh, God. Uh, Tony? Were you hiding in the fridge? Are you crazy? I I meant to be in there. I I think better in there. And I just came up with a, 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 a sketch. No, a whole ongoing series of sketches. Penned by me. That has nothing to do with your, your, your idea. Oh, really? 
<laughs> and what idea was that? No comment. Now, gotta go. Gotta find out. I see Hunter fill up a bathtub. My dramatic work for radio, so great, does come at a cost. Achoo! Wait, did he just steal my idea? Your idea? Well, yeah, if I hadn't mentioned Spider-Man, there would have been no idea for Tony to steal from you after you'd stolen it from me. Ugh, why do we even keep writing for men in charge? I, I, well, I feel betrayed, yet unmoved. I know you see it there too, listener. The subtext of that last scene, bristling with an internal critique of higher frequency abuse by the radio power elite. Well, if you like that, then I hope you got your money's worth, since we won't do anything that highbrow for quite a while again. In fact, this is a great place to take a break. My producers and I have to return to a blank page. I mean, we literally have to start from nothing, because we can't find anybody else in this vast wasteland. Community College campus. Really? Oh, Lord. We've run out of people connected with men in charge, and this building is really empty after 2 p.m. I'm Dr. Eleanor Galworthy, and we'll be right back after this word from, well, dare I say it, our sponsor. This week on the History Channel, from the production team who brought you The Secret Socks of Hitler's Bunker and Thomas Paine's French Condom Collection, it's a new miniseries guaranteed to intrigue and thrill. The Golden Age of Pants. We'll check in with explorer Christopher Columbus as he sails the ocean blue and faces a crisis about his crew's health. Captain, two more men down with the scurvy. Have you tried purging them with the salt water? I sir, and the leeches. Damn it, Smedley. It must be the short pants that the portrait painters in charge of our legacy insist on us wearing. They cut off the vital humor circulating to the men's well-hewn lower legs. Issue the following order to all the crew effective immediately. Pants overboard. Oh, Men won't be wanting to let their cheeks hang free in the trade winds, Captain. Extra rations of grog. Those drawers have got to go. I ordered the captain. Pants overboard. Pants overboard. Pants overboard. See Columbus's rash gamble that historians now believe may have kicked off the golden age of pants. But it doesn't end there. Another of the History Channel's episodes focuses on formerly hidden events of the Sepoy Mutiny of 1857. I say, such a dashed hot day here in the city of Jaipur. Ah, who's this coming over the ridge? Hello, Colonel Bloombird. I, Mirit Khan, have brought you water on a very, very thirsty day. Are you precognitive or what, Mirat? Say... That is a smashing pair of jodhpurs you're wearing. Oh, thank you. They are the widest jodhpurs allowable by British imperial law. Did you get them in Jaipur? No, these are the Jahalwapur jodhpurs. No joshing. 
big enough flares on those trousers to fit a crack team of sepoy infiltrators with room to spare, what? <laughs> what a, whatever put such a ridiculous idea into your head, Colonel? You're a better man than me, Mirat Khan. The Golden Age of Pants. Don't miss it this week on the History Channel, the cable channel that's home to Only in America with Larry the Cable Guy, and countless documentaries on the world's largest free-burning trash fires. Hello. We hope you enjoyed that message. And thanks from me and the whole crew here at Below the Music for tuning in today. Thanks especially once you realize that our in-depth look into the world of rock and roll was actually about the nominally comedic radio show, Men in Charge. Tony and Kevin, the co-hosts of the show, denied our request to meet with our next guests, who have been with Men in Charge for six recent crucial months. I'm Dr. Eleanor Galworthy, and I'm here in the dank and destitute parking garage of the Park Court Arms, the building next to where Men in Charge is produced, in a medium-sized red shed. I'd like to applaud the courage of our next guests who, in the face of Tony's and Kevin's lack of respect for a free press, rose up and resisted. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Morach van der Werf, and I'm a professional radio, comedy, sketch show, music consultant. I host the weekly reality radio show, soon to be a podcast, called Sounds Off, and with me are my co-conspirators in euphonia, Andy. hey listeners. Claire. Feel the music. And Kenneth. Hans Zimmer, who has composed his 50,000th movie soundtrack this month, and who recently put a feather in his cap by writing the soundtrack for a 007 film, uses only five notes and two chords, all of them very loudly. Needless to say, Dr. Galworthy, we don't get much out of Kenneth that makes sense. But the appeal to the youth of today... Yes, the youth of today. By the way, thank you for calling me Dr. Galworthy. For the longest time, this network was gaslighting me. That's the only word I can think of. Into thinking that I was a quaint bumpkin of a radio show host named Ask Aunt Louise. I've never heard of that show. What was it about? You know, to this day, I still have no idea. We never could get past the wrangling at the beginning. They wanted me to take questions about Sasquatch or soap or something or other as Aunt Louise, but I insisted we foreground my associate professor of biology and neuroscience chops. It didn't end well. So much the worse for, who did you say you worked for? I didn't. But my position is in the faculty of the Richmond Surrey Goat Cheese Institute. Is it? Yep, an academic empire built on feta. Well, it's Richmond Surrey Goat Cheese Institute's loss and our gain. I'll give you a minor bazinga for that one, Claire. The humor was thin and spread out over too many beats. Well, I suppose the listener will want to know, what is your team's job here at Men in Charge? We've subjected men in charge to a severe audit. Bam! Of its finances? I find that odd. No, it's a musical audit, not a financial audit. 
And as we all know, music and not money runs the world. High five, Claire. Our musical audit discovered that, unsurprisingly, Kevin and Tony were doing it wrong. All of it. Technically, they don't even have a show. And so the last few months have been a real re-education for those dweebs. Claire, language. Sorry, I get jumpy. Is this new kind of Mountain Dew? Can't get enough. I told you that gunk was going to eat away at your nerve fibers, Claire. Kenneth, please. It's a family public radio program. I promise not to do it again if we can go ahead with today's Kenneth's Corner on our project for Men in Charge's musical rehabilitation. (sighs) And now, Kenneth's Corner. I'm here with the surprising announcement that, after an external audit of our musical audit of Men in Charge, the auditors found that Sounds Off used the wrong bass lines as well as corrupted data in evaluating the musical content of Tony's and Kevin's show. But... That makes our findings inconclusive. No, it's worse than that. Our work here defaming men in charge was so bad, so wrong, statistically and astrologically speaking, that it's now been proven that men in charge is a work of musical genius. It's observer effect gone mad. Really? And who says these dopes are geniuses? The private consulting firm of Flegel, Sapp, Wainscotting, Moore, Ham, Hawk, and Green. You know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Morag, may I ask a question? Whatever do you need, dear? Does Kenneth's part of the sketch ever end? Could we make it end now? For one thing, the damp down here in the garage of the Park Court Arms is activating my gout. For another thing, Kenneth's Kenneth's corner corner is boring. Take it back. You take it back. Take it back. You take it back. I have nothing to take back. You ventured the insult. Shut up, Kenneth. Well, listener, we've covered so many facets of this week's band, Men in Charge. Their rise and fall, their highs and lows, their ups and downs. We want to remind you that they're not a musical band, but instead a bunch of well-educated yet dysfunctional would-be Emmett Kelly's and Judy Tenuta's. Now, we wanted to give Kevin and Tony the last word in a good faith effort to let them counterpoint what we discovered in our probings the last few weeks. The discovery of their rather sorry record of plagiarism, a history of infighting, a cast rife with scandal, and frequent use of paper towels when a reusable amazing Swedish dishcloth would have worked fine. The so-called men in charge refused our request for a camera interview, however, but mailed us an official statement that ended up actually being a Whole Foods grocery receipt from 2006. So, in the end, we perhaps have more questions than answers about men in charge. Are they man's myths or legends? If nobody buys a ticket to a movie, do they still show it? Why do they make cars go so fast it's illegal? And when will Gerald, production assistant for the Below the Music, be fired? As the cliche goes, only time will tell. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Gerald. You need to thank our cast, Kevin, because this is your script. Yeah, I really want to thank our cast because this is the first time they have played themselves. So thank you, Jody Stewart-Strobel, 
Scott Herrick, Ann Porter, Kevin Decker, Ryan Weldon, Maureen Hager, Tony Flynn, Sarah O'Hare, and Nancy Roth. We'd also like to thank The Bad Plus for our theme song, 7-Minute Mind. And we'd further also like to thank the people whom we consider our lost hikers. Carrie Boyce, Vern Windham, Nancy Roth, Nisha Schramm, and Savannah Esty. We'd also like to thank the man whose number is always skipped when he waits at the pharmacy, Brian Lindsay. 